Um, Today's reading can be found in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 13, uh, which can be found on page 1044 on the Church Book Bibles. So that's Luke chapter 12, um, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be a your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant, an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than birds. You of who, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A crowd of thousands surrounds Jesus. Like... um, in a Glastonbury field, everyone presses towards the front, wanting to be right next to Jesus, to be near the action and hear what he's saying. On stage, at least metaphorically speaking, Jesus is in conversation with his disciples, but everyone else is listening in, and they they gasp as Jesus delivers really terrifying warnings. He says, fear him who has authority to throw you into hell. Uh, and uh, everyone sort of beams with delight as they hear such comforting words from Jesus. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. 
But in the front row in this scene, there's one man who doesn't seem quite as invested in the conversation on stage. He's wrapped up in an inner turmoil. And so at the very first lull in the conversation, this man um, can't help himself but spill his storm in a teacup for all to hear. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This man's brother's probably not conning him. Uh, It's more likely that the brother just wants to keep the family land or company in one piece. Imagine that their parents left them a small company in the will. One brother thinks it's their duty to keep the company together and manage it together as one piece. This man in the crowd, however, wants them to sell the company and divide the profits. And he thinks that Jesus is the one to intervene in this dispute. However, Jesus has different, bigger priorities. Who appointed me a judge between you? He looks beyond the storm in the teacup to the main issue here. Possessions, material things, stuff. We really do get worked up about stuff, don't we? How often have we sat in the front row? I'm not picking on you guys. Um, Uninvested in Jesus because there's something on our minds. If there was a piece of paper and a pen underneath all your chairs, there isn't. It would be interesting to write down our, some of our top fears and hopes for this coming year. I'm pretty sure that some of us would have a few in common. I think housing might, might feature. We might hope that we might move to a bigger house. We might be planning renovations. We might have fears that the cost of our mortgage is increasing. Finances would probably feature high on the list as well. We might be uh, making plans about getting out of debt. Uh, We might be worried about increasing costs. We might be looking for a new job. And um, things that, uh, sort of life's luxuries, I think that would be on our list as well. We might be planning a holiday. We might be looking for a new bit of technology or some kind of entertainment. I wonder if I can afford to keep my Netflix subscription, something like that. Uh, Maybe that's not so high on the list. Stuff, it occupies a large place in our minds, doesn't it? And Jesus has a word for us this morning. As with last week, we're going to find warning and comfort on this subject of stuff. Be on your guard and don't be worried. Let's uh, look at the first slide and our first title, Be on your guard against stuff. Uh, looking at verses 13 to 21 here. This man has just spilled his storm in a teacup for all to hear, and Jesus has said that he's not interested in uh, this small squabble. Instead, he has a warning for everybody listening. Watch out! You know those um, triangular traffic signs with an exclamation point in the middle? Jesus has just raised one of those on this whole conversation. It means danger ahead. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's quite a sentence, and we could really dive into it and try and understand what it means, but Jesus explains what he means with a parable, with a story in verses 16 to 20. 
A rich farmer has been waiting for months. He invested heavily in buying land and machinery. He spent money on laborers and even put his own back in uh, preparing the earth and scattering the seed. There There have been sleepless nights worried about the weather or locusts ruining his crop. But finally, harvest has arrived. And what a crop! Going down to his fields, he finds grain tall and strong that seems to go on for miles. It's such an abundant harvest that he can't resist diving into the grain and uh, lying on his back and making grain angels. At that point of joy, though, looking up at the sky, he, a, a small wrinkle in this wonderful day occurs to him. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my extra grain. And content with this thought, he makes his way back up to his house, filled with thoughts about taking life easy, eating, drinking, being merry for many, many years into the future. However, as he lays down to sleep, God's voice comes to him. Verse 20, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It's a haunting story. And we might think, oh, poor man. But Jesus would prefer if we thought, oh, poor us. Because according to verse 21, this man's story is the story of all who store up stuff but aren't rich towards God. I think in this parable, Jesus has given us two connected reasons why we should be on our guard against stuff. First, be on your guard against stuff because it won't be yours for long. As you read those verses in front of you and as I retold the story, Did you notice how often that farmer used the word my? Uh, My crops, my barns, my surplus grain, I'll say to myself. And yet when God showed up, what belonged to him for a short while was demanded of him. It wasn't his anymore. And what he'd stored up would go to somebody else. I wonder if we realize that everything we own is actually just on short-term lease. Our houses, our finances, our luxuries, one day they will all be demanded from us. Yet like the farmer, don't we so often make plans as if they were going to be ours forever? Financial advisors um, say that if you invest £200 a month from the age of 25, then when you're 65, you'll be a millionaire. And YouTubers uh, they, they film their pursuit of their forever home. And there's renovation after renovation that seems to go on forever. But it's, it's foolish. It's foolish to assume that our possessions will be ours in even 10 years' time. Of course, it's not wrong to have plans about our finances and our homes. But we need to hold on to them with a light grip. They won't be ours for long. Second and connected, be on your guard against stuff because it's not real abundance. 
Did you notice Jesus' concluding comments on this story in verse 21? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. He's going to explain what being rich towards God means in just a moment. But for now, feel the tragedy of this farmer's fate. Barns full of grain, excess enough to eat, drink, and be merry for many years. And yet in God's economy, he is utterly bankrupt. How tragic if we found ourselves in the same position. A full bank account comfortable house, but possessing nothing that lasts into eternity. Stuff really does have a remarkable power to shrink our soul's capacity to understand the gospel. Please don't hide the cross behind a pile of money. Please don't hide God's forgiveness behind a big house. Those things really can take up our whole view. Watch out. And our second main point, we'll move on to the next slide. Don't worry about stuff. Jesus' words of warning were for the whole crowd. But from verse 22, he turns specifically to his disciples and says, don't worry about stuff. Over the last two weeks, this has been the main recurring theme. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Jesus' disciples, they were sent out like sheep among wolves. They were under pressure, soon to be under persecution. Financial hardship and material loss were pretty much part of the deal. And that would continue to be the case for most of the church throughout its history. But in difficult times, to struggling people... Jesus has words for them that were both a challenge and a comfort. Verse 22, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. We're living in times where we're going to be tested in this regard. I think we all know that inflation hit 8%, and uh, even if you didn't know that stat, you certainly know it every time you go to the petrol pump or you go to the supermarket or you look at your energy bills. I'm sure many of us here are battling with fears to some extent. Um, It hasn't happened for years and years, but I remember what it's like to go to the cash machine and find that you have nothing to withdraw. It's a sickening feeling. And other people face far worse situations than that. If you're struggling, you're not the only one. And even if you aren't struggling in that way, we can be just as prone to worry about material things. Indeed, our wealthy materialistic society might be evidence that times of plenty just mean plenty of worry. We live, don't we, in the most comfortable, the most wealthy, the most mental health conscious society that there's ever been. And yet, could we also be the most worried? But Jesus says, don't worry about stuff. He gives us three reasons why Christians don't need to. First, uh, these are all beautiful reasons. First, don't worry about stuff because God feeds and clothes you. 
Imagine that as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, a couple of ravens fly past uh, and they, they soar over the, crowd, over the heads of the crowd and land in a field full of beautiful wild flowers. Jesus points this out as an example, as a picture of how God provides. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Then verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, ravens and wildflowers, they, they don't last forever, but for the time that God has given them, he makes sure that they have what they need. They are fed and clothed. Ravens were considered unclean in the Old Testament, and wildflowers, they're, they're gone like that. But even for these relatively in, unimportant, insignificant parts of creation, God still cares and God still provides. So what about Christians? What about God's children? Jesus says, how much more valuable you are than birds. And how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Your provider God has counted the days of your life. And until he takes you home, be absolutely certain, be utterly confident that he will provide every single thing you need. You lack nothing. Your provider God has given your life a plan and a purpose. And even if you don't understand or see it yet, be utterly certain that he will give you exactly what you need until your mission is complete. When, lo- when those anxieties about life's necessities rise within you, remember that Father God cares and Father God provides. Rest in his wise generosity. Don't worry about stuff. God feeds and clothes you. Second, don't worry about stuff because worrying does no good. That's what I understand what Jesus uh, means in verse 25. Uh, There he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Worry doesn't add anything. It might actually take hours away from your life. Um, Medical people, feel free to correct me on this um, later, but I believe that stress causes hormones to be released that trigger a fight-or-flight response. So even if nothing's going on, if you're stressed, it's like you're getting ready to do 12 rounds in the ring or getting ready to run a marathon. And if you're constantly in this really switched-on state, can you imagine what damage that does to your physical and mental health? It certainly doesn't add to your life. So Jesus says, why do it? There are a million and one things that are completely out of our control, such as the span of our life. They're all in God's hands. So don't weigh yourselves down with worrisome burdens that God is carrying for you just fine. He doesn't need your help and you don't need the worry. 
leave them in his hands. And third, don't worry about stuff because your father gives you the kingdom. I think we could happily spend a whole sermon looking at verses 29 to 34. Every word is just glorious. So really take these in as we read them. Sit at Jesus' feet and hear his voice. Verse 29. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yes, the necessities of this life are important. God knows that. But don't set your heart there. Don't set your heart there. Don't let material stuff be the great pursuit of your life. That's what the kingdom of this world is about. And we know what happens to a life that's spent building bigger barns. Christian, you've been given so much more than that. Our Father has been delighted to give you the kingdom of heaven. This is true abundance. This is being rich towards God. This is treasure that doesn't fade. This is a treasure that will never be taken or destroyed. A treasure that lasts, lasts even through death, where it will never fade, where it will never wear out. God's, God's child, you are rich beyond measure. And that kingdom is where a Christian sets their heart. That's what disciples seek in the here and now too. This is the great pursuit of our lives. To seek God's kingdom means to experience now what will one day be ours in the future. So we seek God's kingdom when we pursue relationship with God instead of material comfort. We seek God's kingdom now when we look to do his will rather than spend all of our time um, on the financial spreadsheets. We seek God's kingdom now when we seek to see evidence of his rule in our life. Seek his kingdom and trust your Father God to provide the rest. Don't worry about stuff because your Father gives you the kingdom. There's so much delightful um, truth in Jesus' words here. Isn't it so good that he frees us from the dangers and the worries of stuff? It really is wonderful to be a Christian. It really is freeing to have our hearts set in heaven rather than set here on earth. Um, maybe you're not a Christian. Don't you want this? It's wonderful. What would it look like for us? if we were 
living this out, freed from uh, the danger and the worry of stuff. I think one of the best ways we would see that, and one of the ways we'd seek to see the kingdom, is mentioned in these verses here, and has been mentioned many times. Outrageous generosity. Verse 33 speaks of selling possessions and giving to the poor. And Luke's gospel just time and time again keeps coming back to this. Sacrificial giving, it is maybe the evidence that you've taken in Jesus' teaching. It's concrete evidence that our attachment to stuff has been broken. This Christian generosity actually is also one of the primary means by which our Father God does provide for his children. So, as our concluding application, in this time where there's going to be a lot of pressure on the finances uh, in this church and in our families, we have a wonderful opportunity to shine. We really do. Let's be a church that walks alongside those among us who are struggling in this area. God might use you to counsel someone in the middle of worry. You can point them to the riches that they have in heaven. God might use you to help clothe and feed one of his children in practical ways too. Let's pray that we would be freed from the danger and the worry of stuff so that we might seek God's kingdom and show the generosity of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are so generous to us. Thank you that you've provided so much. Lord, we just praise you and bless you for all that you have given. And Lord, even when we are feeling a sense of lack, Lord, I pray that you would lift our eyes to the riches that are ours in Christ. Father God, we pray for anyone here that doesn't yet know that. Lord, we pray that they wouldn't hide the cross behind a big house or a pile of money. Lord, we pray that we would all have our priorities and hearts firmly fixed on your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.